Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. When you compare the different uh, gospel accounts, the Christmas gospel accounts, and their retelling of the Nativity story, St. John's, which we'll hear tomorrow morning, is the most profound and awe-inspiring with all his talk of, of Jesus being the begotten Son of the Father, the light shining in the darkness, and the Word becoming flesh. St. Luke's, which we'll hear later tonight, is the customary gospel for the last service on Christmas Eve, and it's the most extraordinary one with all of the, the cute little glorious details. Matthew's, though, in contrast, seems rather wooden, unemotional, just the basic facts. He begins, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. You know, if you're having a baby, you, you probably wouldn't have Matthew uh, write your birth story. Uh, but actually, it's in these facts that, that Matthew gives that the comfort of Christmas can be found. And, and maybe you missed the comfort when I read Matthew's gospel earlier. Matthew writes, Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Now, by itself, this is not comforting. In other words, Mary looks like an adulterer. She's never been with Joseph before, but she's pregnant. Now, in Joseph's day, there are only two realistic options when faced with, with the possibility or, or what must have seemed to Joseph as an unquestionable reality of Mary's infidelity. He could either publicly declare his injury and what she's done, in which case Mary would have likely been stoned, or he could divorce. Being a just man, as Matthew says, and not wanting to cause her harm, he chooses the latter option. But of course, this would not have been easy for Joseph. When Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant, he can only conclude that she's been unfaithful to him and so likely experiences the pain, the anguish, and the sense of betrayal that any of us would have at such a devastating revelation. This is the start of Matthew's Christmas story. Not on December 24th, but nine months earlier. The, the early church understood this to be around March 25th. Think back to March of this year. It's been a wild nine months for us, hasn't it? Even more so for Mary and Joseph. And it doesn't end there for them. Even, the angel, even after the angel intervenes and calms Joseph down, they're forced to take a difficult and dangerous trip to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem for the census, while Mary is nine months pregnant. But when they get to Joseph's hometown, they have nowhere to stay. But it's Joseph's hometown, where his family lives. This is a 2020 problem, right? Not being able to go to your own family's house. But in their case, it's, it's not because there's a risk of getting sick. Rather, you can imagine Joseph's family not allowing them to come into their home because of the shame they perceive Mary and Joseph to have brought on their family. Because they don't understand the miraculous incarnation of our Lord. And of course, there's no room for the inn 
for them in the end. One of Martin Luther's colleagues actually theorized that it's because everyone was so drunk as a fool that, they, that no one came to the aid of this poor young woman. The story of Christmas begins with the worst mess. In despair, in anguish, in uncertainty, in fear, in scorn. But that's the point. God didn't send his son to, to fast forward over all the bad parts and go straight to the resurrection. That's why at Christmas, we're, we're not really just celebrating a birthday. We're celebrating Christ's incarnation. That is, his, his taking on of our flesh, his, his coming into our stuff, our flesh, his incarnation. And Jesus' incarnation starts from the moment when he took on flesh when he was conceived. Christ didn't come as a 33-year-old man to, to just be a role model for, for people who already had it together and immediately go back to heaven. Nor, for that matter, did he just appear as a, as a cute little baby like Grogu or Baby Yoda to just give us the warm fuzzies. You know? Rather, he came through all the mess with people, with, for, for people with, with messy lives. He came as a child yet to be born, suffering in humility from the moment of his conception to be the redemption of every human being ever conceived. And this is the other part of the comfort. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Christ wasn't conceived by man with all the, the same sins we have and all the problems we and mess we create by our sins, but rather by the Holy Spirit. He was pure, holy, righteous, sinless, which makes it all the more amazing that he subjected himself to all the sin and all the problems of the entire world. Maybe it'll just help to, to imagine what the birth of Christ could have been like if God had decided to do it here in the year 2020 instead? Would God be like, you know what, he's just going to stay up here? We're going to Zoom instead? Uh, he's not actually going to come down there. There's too many things going on down there, too many dangerous things. I, I'm just going to tell you everything you need to know from up here by Zoom. It would be an utterly meaningless thing, wouldn't it? The cross has no power without the incarnation. See, to save us, God has to actually become one with us. And that's exactly what Matthew tells us, this, this detail. All this happened to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is not distant. He is personally involved with his people. With the ins and outs of our lives, he knows our suffering, yet he is without sin. He's gentle and lowly and tender to those who are suffering. He leaves his throne on high in heaven in order to restore us to heaven, to the kingdom of God in heaven, that we by his poverty might become rich. None of that is true if the incarnation 
is not a thing. The Old Lutheran theologians had a beautiful way of summing up the reality of the incarnation really in one word. That Jesus became our brother. Our brother. That Jesus is our brother means that he literally shares our flesh and blood just like a brother. That he knows our experiences just like a brother and that he'll defend us no matter the cost just like a brother. Later in our service for our final hymn tonight, we're going to sing a hymn that, that's kind of gotten lost over the years, but becoming more popular again among Christians. Oh, Jesus Christ, thy manger is. And I think, really, this should be the theme hymn for this year. It was written by a Lutheran pastor named Paul Gerhardt, who I, I mentioned before. Uh, Gerhardt could sympathize with the worst of our crosses. You see, he lived during a severe plague in the 1600s. Uh, he also lived during the Thirty Years' War. He buried countless parishioners. He lost his job as a pastor because he refused to preach false doctrine, what, what the government wanted him to preach. And it was during this period that his wife died. Only one of his five children actually outlived him. Undoubtedly, the majority of his Christmases were spent missing family, away from home, or in depression and fear. But here are just a few of, of Gerhardt's verses, and these are, these are so beautiful. It's the last hymn in your service holders if you want to take a look. Otherwise, take your bulletin home tonight and, and just read through these verses before you go to bed. He says in verse 8, Remember thou what glory now the Lord prepared thee for all earthly sadness. The angel host can never boast of greater glory, greater bliss, or gladness. What glory did God prepare for us in our sadness that, that even the angels can't have? He explains in the next verse. There dost thou see in front of thee thy flesh and blood which steer the clouds of heaven. What then can rise to steal this prize and leave thy soul by fear and sorrow driven? In other words, the Lord's Supper. He's talking about the Lord's Supper. Why is he talking about the Lord's Supper? Because this is where Christ is born for us today, Christ's Mass. You see, Jesus never became de-incarnate. He's still flesh and blood, and he chooses still to come to you in the same way, in his flesh and blood. The bread and the wine, the, the body and blood that you receive in the Lord's Supper is really Christ who made heaven and earth, who is now uniting himself to you. Some of you may not be able to see your family this year. If you want to be close to your family, the answer, like God's answer to us, is not Zoom, but right here, the Lord's Supper. They can be in another house. They can be halfway across the world. They can be in heaven. And still, you can be no closer to them than you are in the Lord's Supper. They can be even in the same room with you, and you can be no closer to them than you are in the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, is just that. A, a communion, a partaking, a sharing, a uniting. The Lord's Supper is Christ uniting himself, sharing himself with you and all Christians in his body and blood. You become one with Christ, and it's as if he is conceived inside of you 
just as he was conceived inside of Mary. And if Christ has been born for you inside here, that changes your perspective on everything out here. Gerhardt continues in the next verse. Thy mind so weak will seldom seek its comfort in the midst of sin and danger. So turn thine eyes down from the skies and find thy comfort in a lowly manger. We often don't know where to look when, when trouble happens. We don't know how to make sense of our lives or, or what to do by looking at our lives. When Joseph looked at his life, at Mary, he had two options, or so he thought. In the midst of sin, his mind is, is looking for comfort and a solution in the wrong place, like we so often do. And yet, it's the angel that tells him what's really going on. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph wouldn't have known that apart from the angel bringing to him God's word. And the reality found in God's word was so much better than anything he could see. And so it is for us. We, we look at our lives, and our lives seem, seem awful and terrible. We can't find peace. We feel burdens. But you don't know how your life really is by looking at your life. The Christmas story teaches us this. Rather, it's, it's what's beneath, what God reveals in Scripture, what lay in a manger, what lies tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow night on the altar, what lies here in God's Word. That's the true reality. Because Christ became incarnate and really is Emmanuel, God with us. That means that my life, my story, my mess isn't just mine. It's his. And through his word, he tells me what, what our story is together. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, in order that I might be his own. One more verse, probably the most fitting for this year. Though plagues thou bear, do not despair. Thy brother will not spurn thy grief and sighing. His heart is meek and loves the weak, nor can he see our suffering without crying. That's a different picture of Christ, isn't it? Our God, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, knows your suffering. But he is your brother. It pains him when his family, when you suffer. Which is why he became incarnate, to be with you forever. How greatly God loves you to do this. And one day, everything that we suffer, he will bring to an end. And you, his brother or sister, will join him in all the joys that true life has to offer. Your life, your true life, with every joy and every peace, is in Christ. With Christ made flesh for us today, 
allowing our souls to rest and be at peace. All this happened so that God might be with us. Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.